Bonjour et bienvenue. I'm your host, Chris Otto, coming at you live on Sunday, May 26th. Day one of Roland Garros main draw play is upon us. First ball has been struck. I am standing outside the lovely court Simon Mathieu, where Garbina Muguruza and Taylor Townsend are christening this majestic show court. And before I tell you a little bit more about what's in store for today's show, let's throw it over to a proper intro. Nothing like a little proper music to get your day started. So day one is underway, as we mentioned. Going to have a great show for you today. We're going to hear from Sasha Osmo of Sport Club in Serbia. We're going to talk a lot about Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal and what's in store for tennis fans on the men's side this year. And a few other subjects. I think Serbian tennis fans in particular will love this interview, but... But anybody will like to hear from Sasha. He's a well-versed tennis journalist. has been on the beat for a long time. Uh, briefly, we'll look at the order of play because it is underway, my friends. So exciting to have day one of Roland Garros begun. Angelique Kerber is underway on court Philippe Chatrier. We're going to see Tsitsipas on that court against Maximilian Martyrer. And then Roger Federer will take court Philippe Chatrier for the first time since 2015, a little later in the day. Right now, Marin Cilic is on court Suzanne Longwin against Tomas Fabiano of Italy. Garbini Muguruza, as we mentioned, is on the lovely court Simon Mathieu against Taylor Townsend. Court one has Petra Mardik and Ons Jabeur. Uh, lots of tennis all around, lots of exciting matches to see. I mean, I'll pick out a few of the cool matchups that are on this order of play. And Grigor Dimitrov and Janko Tipsarevich on court one, that one really just kind of reaches out to me and says, huh, WTF is going to happen in that match. Also, Svetlana Kuznetsova, former champion, she'll be on court 14 today, which is a lovely show court that's sunken in and got a pretty decent amount of bleachers to sit in over on the west side of the grounds. Kuznetsova trying to get back into shape and back into form will face Kristina Kuchova of Slovakia. And also on that court 14, a young gun matchup. Alexei Poprin and Ugo Umber should be an interesting match. That one is underway already. So lots of great stuff to look forward to. Let's jump into this interview with Sasha Osmo, and then I'll catch you after the jump, and we'll hear from Juan Martin Del Potro, a guy you may have heard of. Lucky Let Court Podcast is proud to have Sasha Osmo of Sport Club in Serbia, in Belgrade. And we are sitting today up high in the rafters of the Bullring Court number one, watching a couple of doubles pairs warm up. And I want to say hello to you, Sasha. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for inviting me. Um, before we get to a lot of chatting about the tennis here at Roland Garros, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself and also where we can uh, find you on social and whatnot. Uh, my uh, main social media presence is on Twitter. I do have an Instagram as well, but Twitter is where I do most of my work. And it actually helped my work uh, before I started covering these slams on site because I met a lot of you guys via, via Twitter. Yeah, that's how we met. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, was a, it was a really cool tool. I've been covering tennis since the beginning of my uh, of my career, let's say, in journalism. That's about 12 or 13 years. I've loved it since I was a kid, even though it wasn't that big in Serbia, as you as you know by now. But uh, I really loved it, and it was a and it was a huge advantage for me in my career. And you can imagine how I felt 
when uh, Novak and Dana and Yelena and all the others started winning. Amazing, right? Amazing times for Serbian tennis. So what's your Twitter handle? It's at Osmo, like Sasha, and that's it. Cool. So everybody go and check him out, especially if you're fans of Serbian tennis, but all the ATP WTA tour stuff. And excuse that airplane for flying by. It looks like a pair of jets cruising over the grounds here at Roland Garros. Actually, two pairs. So bear with us for a second. We'll weigh um, them out. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> we have uh, tons of stuff to talk about. And I, I mean, for me, the main thing I want to talk about, period, uh, practically all season. And actually, after Novak Djokovic won the U.S. Open, I was looking ahead already, assuming that he might win Australia and saying that this year's Roland Garros is going to be one of the most important tournaments in terms of the legacies of all these top players and, and what Novak is, is poised to accomplish, what Ro Rafa is poised to accomplish with potentially winning his 12 and of course Novak would be winning holding all four slams for the second time at the same time it's ridiculous I just wanted to get your initial feelings on the importance of this tournament on the men's side of course it's of utmost importance as you said Novak going for Nola slam once again but I mean winning it once is already a huge achievement Certainly. especially especially considering that two of his biggest rivals haven't been able to do it even though they've had several chances Rafa and and Roger. Yep, good point. Uh, as for as for Nadal, I mean, I won't be I won't be saying anything new if I say that he's feeling right at home here, and you can see that at at every move, not just during the matches, but uh, during the practices as well. I, I've been yesterday on Langland. It, it was crazy. At one point, <laughs> people will people were hurling down the stairs and I thought they were going to fall even Rafa thought so because he kind of pushed them to go back and he had to sign like 1000 <laughs> autographs I think so th that's uh, I think rather good illustration of how how he feels here and how how he's loved here I mean for obvious reasons he's won here I mean I remember earlier on Roland Garros was this slam when it comes to upsets and surprises but then used to be right yeah, yeah. then came Rafa and <laughs> that sort of all, all sort of vanished everything changed so yeah huge tournament for for everyone I mean every slam but uh, there is a one aspect we're talking about Nola slam but if Novak wins he is going to be the first player to hold all four slams at least twice so Rafa has won Australian Open Roger has won here once so these two don't have two of each so neither does Novak but this is his chance yeah I mean Rafa had uh, some really good chances in Melbourne Federer not that much to be honest here yep, yep. that's true but with Rafa yeah but but we'll see we'll yeah. see I'm expecting a great tournament yeah and, and and let's talk a little bit about Novak's form and Rafa's form because we've seen a lot of clay court tennis and, and it's, a, it's obviously a good indicator and from what I've seen Novak winning Madrid and then Rafa taking Rome uh, with somewhat uh, tricky circumstances and due to how maybe how fatigued Novak was in that final they're both to me at the top of their form and I expect them both to be better here and if they do meet which I think is fairly likely of course there's you know there's situations where they might not meet I think we're going to see the best that they have to offer uh, I couldn't agree more especially on the first part of what you said that finals in Rome was in my opinion a win-win situation I'll explain because Please obviously do. Rafa mentally a significant title foremost and then a win over Novak especially knowing that he was not at his best during the clay court season and as for Novak he had a tremendous couple of weeks and he came after two late night finishes and extremely fatigued as uh, as I think was obvious but he still managed to win a set 
to win a set and play fairly good, especially in that second set. And the beginning of the third was was close, but then Rafa kind of raced with it. Uh, but and I think Nova can build on it, not just the Madrid and the Rome, but the finals as well, because he he saw that he can again play with play with Rafa. Key shot, as always, with uh, with Novak and Rafa on clay is that Djokovic short angle like cross court backhand. Right. That's that's the shot that's sort of a barometer for how their matches go. If if Novak is confident enough to take it early and to hit through Rafa, I mean the the first time he started beating him on clay in 2011 Madrid Rome, that was the case. That's the shot he killed him with. But Rafa obviously has some um, some really good answers and it's it's extremely hard to hit that shot early, time and time again, and win in the best of five. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, as, as we've seen with their matches, Novak was extremely close in 2013. He was a break-up in the fifth, but didn't manage to, to close it out. So, I think I'll, in case they do meet in the finals, which you said was likely, and it is likely, yep. a lot of it will come... Uh, a lot of it will... Uh, weather conditions are going to be important, is what I'm trying to say. Certainly. Yeah, because if if it's sunny, and the ball bounces higher, that favors Rafa. If not, no, he's gonna have a, a much bigger chance. Isn't that fascinating? It, it, it tennis is such a, a, a sport of subtleties, and the fact that we're talking about the weather yeah. and how it might be on June 9th, or what, I think that's the day that the men's final would be. It's just it's just it just says a lot about this sport that we love so much and why it's why it's so unique and crazy. But yeah, you're right. The conditions. I mean, are at this level, huge. the margins are that thin. You know, you you gotta have anything anything you can you can take, you take it. Okay. Uh, Sasha, you're an insider. You know Nole fairly well, and you know his mind, and you know um, how he feels about things. And then you've seen him, seen him in different um, psychological s- states, yeah. and then you've seen how he's played in those states. So this loss, like you said, was a win-win. I gather that you feel that he's very positive about it, and that he maybe knew what he had to offer in that final, and that it's nothing near what he he can potentially exactly, offer. Exactly, and that's so what I was aiming at. And, yeah. and so there's a lot of psychology going on here. Not only is that, does he feel okay about the loss, but now he's the underdog and now he's he basically threw it out there as soon as the final was over that Rafa is the favorite and make no mistake about it. So maybe that plays into his hands a little bit. Of course, and I think that the fact that him winning already once here in 2016 and uh, I mean, just I don't know if you've been to his press conference before the tournament, and if you compare that press conference to the first press conference when he came here in 2015, 14, and 16, you could see a much more relaxed and chilled person. Of course, there is going to be pressure, but uh, but not as nearly as high as it was before he won one here. Yep. So I mean, he's got a tricky draw. Yeah. Potentially, potentially. Really, really difficult first round matches. Yeah, Hubert, Herk- Hubert Herkic, which will be tomorrow. Yeah, we just we just found out that. So yes, my he looks relaxed, but he considering the draw, he's going to have to start playing seriously from the beginning, which at some of the slams Novak uh, didn't do. I mean, he started slowly, then speeding up as the tournament went on, and I expect him to be in full force 
by tomorrow. And and you mentioned the draw. Give me your thoughts on Dominic Team's progression this year. Of course, he beat Nadal again for the fourth consecutive year on clay. He was a runner-up last year, and Novak's drawn to potentially face him in the semis. What do you think of Dominic Team, and potentially what do you think of that matchup if it happens? Um, I'm very sure it it's going to be a great match in case in case those two meet in Madrid it was a one hell of a match Dominic was a breakup in both of the sets lost at the end but I think he's uh, you know how they say that against Rafa and against Novak uh, some some players lose a set or a break in the locker room right that's not the case anymore with Dominic he's not afraid of the, of those guys and if they play better he's gonna lose but he's not a, he's not gonna give it to them anymore and I think the biggest problem in his game, which is which he's trying to improve and has improved maybe a bit, is the decision making. Obviously, he's powerful, he's strong, but some sometimes I feel he just he just goes for too much. Yep. And to be honest, I don't know why why he does that because he's uh, he's physically so ready, he can run. So maybe just not hit it full force every time. <laughs> and uh, I mentioned that Novak has a difficult draw. Dominic has even more, he has even tougher draw because he's got Verdasco. He lost to him. Uh, I mean, Verdasco is unpredict he unpredictable. Is unpredictable he can Boy, lose can first round, yeah. But in case they do meet, I think that's third round, if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken. Uh, I expect that to be one hell of a match. And obviously, we don't know the state of Del Potro. I mean, he did play great. Uh, he did play great in Rome. Boy, did he play great in Rome. But he, he didn't play a lot of tournaments this year. Yeah, only so seven you, you never know. You never know how is how is he going to turn up. But in case everything goes well for him, so for Domi, in order to meet Novak, he would probably have to beat Fernando and El Potro, which is not an easy task. Yep, good points there. Good points. And um, hey, let's move it on a little bit and and talk about another person, player that you know well. I think you did a short feature on him yesterday. It's Lazlo Jerry, who's playing today at Roland Garros and would you believe it he's seated I mean what an incredible story this man has been all season it's it's kind of a heartbreaking bittersweet story of course he lost both parents tell me what you know about him and what you can what what are your some of your takeaways from this remarkable season what you had and of course he won Rio which was just an amazing title you mean as a person or as a player you know, a little bit of everything I mean yeah. we know the story but they'd like to hear it from from uh, your perspective a bit I mean he he is always uh, he was always extremely professional and he comes from a part of Serbia that it's known to have calm people. Yeah. So he's really? Re he's really calm and he's quiet. And but he's thoughtful at the same time and he his answers are I mean he's a he's good for us journalists because he gives thoughtful answers. Yeah. He's not rushing into anything, he's just analyzing it bit by bit and uh, Clay is obviously his uh, his biggest surface, but in my opinion, he has the game to play on all surfaces, especially hard. And it was more of a, let's say, not not a mental block, but it is, it is a bit of mental that uh, he thinks maybe sometimes that his game can't translate that well to hard course, and there is no reason for it to to not to translate, especially. With the last few months, he's improved really a lot. His serve, right. I mean, it's stronger, it's more accurate, and I think that is going to be the key shot for him going forward. Uh, he attacks a lot with his forehand, especially on clay. But in my opinion, his backhand is more stable, and it's the it's the it's the shot that he can surprise uh, his opponents by changing pace, changing rhythm, going down going down the line at times. So and he can grind. He's a fighter. 
So uh, I'm not sure what his ceiling is at the moment, but I think he's going. He was always like a steady. He always improved steadily. He never until this huge jump. It was always one step at a time. So I expect him to continue in the same way. And this is sort of a. Uh, there was this was a period of a hangover, let's say, after that huge success, right, and yeah. it was emotionally draining That's as well. Natural. And just yesterday, he told me that in practices, he's not at uh, at his best. That it's ups and downs in practices, but when he comes to matches, he he clicks on his match mode. That's that's the term he used, and he just plays better. And I, since him being uh, such a hard worker, I expect. I expect him really soon to put all the all the pieces together, and why not uh, strive for top 20? Yeah, why not? And uh, I mean, sorry, sorry, Chris. I, I just wanted to say he is seeded, but wasn't much of a reward for that because he had he's playing Albert Ramos, which is yeah, it's gonna be a tricky matchup. Extremely tricky, extremely tricky. You know, I guess Lasto is going to feel that extra pressure because he hasn't won here a match in his career, and he only has one one Grand Slam main draw win. And to face a player that's a former quarterfinalist quarter that right. feels at home here and that's a lefty, even though Ramos is far away from from the form he was two or three years ago, maybe. But still, I expect a, a really complicated match, and it, it could be it could be a great a great opportunity to see how uh, how Laszlo has progressed mentally yeah, over yeah. these past few months. Yeah, it will be really interesting. And I think I read in your article yesterday that um, he's going to look to, to uh, attack the, the Ramos Vignola's backhand yeah. a little bit, right? Naturally. Yeah. And so we'll see Obviously. how that plays out. And he's got the weapons to do it. He has. Yeah. Yes. Um, and for those who want to read up on uh, Sasha's work and about Laszlo Jerry, you can go to uh, sportclub.rs, right? Yeah. Sportklub.rs. Thank so, you for this promotion, Chris. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going to hire I'm you as my PR you. agent. Well, thank, you for, thank you for spending you know, a few minutes up here in the beautiful bullring, a court no, that's going to be gone next year. I'm enjoying mean, myself. What's not to like? Talk about tennis. Uh, Good, nice weather. Right? It's beautiful. And what, uh, l let's uh, lighten the mood a little bit and talk a little bit about Paris and about Roland Garros and about the grounds and this new, unbelievably beautiful court, Simon Mathieu, over on the east side of the grounds. What's your take on that beauty? Every time I come to Paris, <laughs> I promise myself that I'll go stroll around the city, go to some of the museums, but then I end up spending 15 hours a day <laughs> at Roland Garros, which is not such a bad thing. Which is, which is not such a bad thing. As for the new court, Simon Mathieu, I've just seen it, uh, I've just seen players practicing. Obviously, we haven't been able to, to see a match live. But uh, l just looking at the stadium, I, I think it's going to be one of those stadiums that is known for its electric atmosphere. Yeah. Because there, there are going to be cheaper tickets there, and the fans that get cheaper tickets are uh, <laughs> electric. Uh, are electric. <laughs> I mean, they really love tennis. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not here for some, they're not sponsors schmooze, right? or anything. They're, they really enjoy and they really love tennis. And uh, it's built that way that it's really intimate. It's so close to the players, yeah. and uh, at, it, it reminds me of some of the stadiums at the, at, at other slams. And, and I really look forward to seeing some extremely good matches there and extremely nice atmosphere, especially when the French are playing. Well, yeah, and, and and another thing you talk about never getting to stroll around Paris. How about the walk over there? It feels like you're in a park or some kind of botanical garden. It's really yeah. It's it's, it's <laughs> actually really hard to describe, but it feels it feels. I mean, it is a botanical garden. Yeah. So it has that. Uh, like it's fresh air 
Yeah. It's like you're you're breathing in different air than comparing to here where we are sitting right now. It's unbelievable. It's yeah. really nice. I'm I'm really looking forward to watching the matches there. I hope some of the Serbian players will play there in the next few days. It should be fun. And uh, before I let you go, Sasha, a um, little bit of your take on the WTA side of the draw. People, players are saying, some of the top players like Simona Halep are saying, it's a little less wide open than it was last year. I see it as pretty wide open, but I can pick a handful of players, maybe five or six that I would probably choose in a cluster to come away with this title what's your take on things oh i'm i'm looking to looking forward to seeing how naomi osaka will play it's gonna be i think with everything that's happened the past few months after her winning australian open and it, this is obviously her let's say least good surface yep so i'm not sure how she'll manage it wouldn't surprise me if if she goes out early maybe even first week but Knowing how she handled those big moments and that kind of pressure in the past, uh, I could be wrong. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll root for Serena to be healthy. To be healthy. Yeah, be so, so nice, right? Yes, and Karolina Pliskova is there for a really long, long time already. Sneaking in on the semis, maybe having a peek at the finals, and uh, if I think she's she's one of the most probable contenders to be the next first-time slam winner. I would definitely agree with that, and I would also throw at this particular tournament, Kiki Burtons as a player who has the potential to do it. Uh, I think it's going to be difficult for both of those two coming off titles in Madrid and Rome, respectively, but yeah, you hit do it. Do you, th you think Burtons can hold up in a big moment in a Grand Slam stage? I I'm not so sure, she's to be getting, honest. I she's getting closer to having that type of uh, maturity. Yeah, it's a gr uh, definitely a big improvement from, say, two years ago. Oh, of course, yes, but still. And there's also Petra Kvitova, who I think, wild card, you never know what's going to happen with her, but she's playing real well, and I think it doesn't matter that this is Clay. She's a, to me, in my eyes, she's one of the five or six people that I could see winning it. I'm looking forward to someone surprising us as well, you know. Yes, that happens. Yeah. As, as it usually happens. Yes, something <laughs> like that. Uh, but we haven't mentioned Halep, of course, the defending champion. <laughs> yeah, and, and I've, I think, to me, she's one of those five players, somebody who I could see going all the way. Uh, it's going to be really exciting. And Sasha, I know we got to get to work. Day one is going to commence in about, I don't know what time it is, 30 minutes from now yeah, or so. Yeah, 35, yeah. So, We're um, there. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on. I hope we can do it again, enjoy the tournament, and maybe we'll circle back uh, if, if things really heat up with Novak and Rafa and talk about it again. Anytime you want, I'm here. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks. Seriously, nothing better than sitting in court number one, the fabled bullring at Roland Garros, high in the top row and talking tennis with a world-class journalist like Sasha Osmo. That was a pleasure. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. Now we're going to move on to a few press snippets of Juan, from Juan Martín del Potro. I was able to speak with him yesterday at his pre-tournament press conference. Of course, Del Potro showed some brilliant form last or two weeks ago in Rome, just his seventh match of the season, and he was able to push Novak Djokovic to three sets, three hours. He even held two match points against the world number one. And Del Potro told me yesterday that he was a little surprised about how well he played in that match. Yes, I also surprised my, myself uh, after the Djokovic match in Rome. Uh, I played... I played great tennis for almost three hours in very high intensity with the number one of the world, which is a very good signal looking to the future. Uh, but I know how is my present at the moment. I know how far is my, my best level. And 
and I have high expectations in the future, but not now because I want to be calm. I want to be safe as well, and and this is part of my rehabilitation to get better and get 100% soon. So I will take this tournament with uh, with couple of uh, curves, and and I will try to play as best as I can, but uh, I'm going slowly. And the conversation shifted a bit to the health of Del Potro's knee. Of course, he had a fractured right patella, which he injured last October in Shanghai. Del Potro returned briefly in February to play in Delray Beach, but then went, was sidelined again with the injury, and concerns were really at a fever pitch at that point. And he revealed yesterday to me that he had some very difficult decisions to make and is glad that he made the right one. Yes, of course, I had uh, experience with these uh, tough moments of my career. And also I had the support from my family, friends, and that people are who helped me to keep trying and, and keep going. Because for the, the sport man, it's the worst part of the, of the shop when you get injured and you cannot do what you want, you know. Uh, I took some experience with my wrist, to 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 feel same same things with with the knee. I spoke a lot with my doctor, and basically after the Light Beach, when all the people around me recommend the surgery, I said or I heard to my my very deep in in my heart to to try a different way for the last time and then we found uh, Angel Cotorro, the Spanish, uh, the Spanian doctor and he tried a different uh, treatment and it's helped me at the moment and now I'm playing without surgery on the knee and, and I think that is because I had a different experience w with my grease and I took a good decision for the moment. It will indeed be very interesting to see how Juan Martín del Potro can play given all the concerns he has and given how little tennis he has played this season here in a best-of-five format at Roland Garros. We look forward to following him throughout the tourney. We thank you guys for listening to the podcast today. It was very fun to be with you. want to let you guys know I am your host, Chris Otto. This is the Lucky Let Cord Tennis Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express. Oh, geez, you guys can find us on social media. And you know what? We would love it if you come by and check us on Twitter, at Tennis underscore now, Facebook, which is facebook.com slash Tennis Now. You can also get us on Instagram. We're, we're having fun over there with stories and the like. So lots of ways to find us, and we hope you do come find us. Let us know what you think of the podcast. It's available on iTunes, Spotify, other podcast purveyors. We'd love it if you review it. We'd love it if you love it. We'd love it if you rate it and review it, and then rate it and review it again, and then tell your friends to rate it and review it, and then tell them again to rate it and review it, if you know what I mean. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. We'll see you on day two from Roland Garros. Au revoir.